Riddle me this. Over 30 million Americans don't have any of it. The rest of us are forced to share what is left of it. Congress would rather give it to foreigners than do it themselves or share it with you. And for that, the president is threatening to take it away from them. Meanwhile, folks in Michigan and in North Carolina are organizing so they can straight up demand it. So what is it? Hey, thanks for coming back here. I am Dave, and this is Right All Week. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe. Check out our Facebook and Twitter, and please share it with your friends. We would be so grateful. The answer to the riddle I just asked, it is work. People are out of work. We have 22 million individuals who have applied for unemployment just since the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. There were people who were already on unemployment before that. The estimated number up till now is about 30 million, maybe more. And in addition to that, you've got a lot of people having to share whatever is left. And by that, I mean some places actually have a lot of work, so their staff is having to step it up. Other places have a lot less work, so they're having to cut a lot of people back. So they're having some places divvying out a lot of work to a few and some places divvying out very little work to a lot. So it's actually very difficult in a lot of ways. In the same time frame, Congress has decided it's a good idea to bring in lots of foreigners to give uh, jobs away, jobs that Americans allegedly don't want. I'm sitting here thinking, hey, out of 30 million Americans who are unemployed, I'm sure you could probably find somebody who would like to make some money and grab some of those jobs. But apparently they didn't ask anybody about that. In the meantime, there are certain aspects of the job that Congress is hired to do that they aren't doing. And the president got on TV and called them out for a dereliction of their duty and said, hey, listen, if you aren't going to step up and do your job, then I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to start doing my job without you. That's some pretty intense talk right there. But apparently he feels it's very necessary to uh, to get them in the crosshairs and make them feel like it's, uh, you know, light a little fire under their tushy, see if he can't motivate them into some action. At the same time, though, we've got people in Michigan, we've got people in North Carolina who feel like they've been out of work for too long and they are petitioning their governors to lift the stay-at-home orders or their shelter-in-place orders or whatever they're calling their executive orders and saying, we need to be allowed to go back to work. We need to be allowed to provide for our families. They're tired of staying at home and doing nothing or tired of staying at home and doing things that uh, that aren't getting the job done. So they're uh, they're organizing. Operation Gridlock was one, and it made big news. So work is all the rave right now, and there was a study that was published in, uh, I think it was in the Washington Post. It was organized by Arizona State and Virginia Commonwealth, and uh, they were taking some of the statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and uh, CPS, and they do some large surveys over there. Each month, they contact 160,000 businesses. They contact 60,000 homes. And this is a, this is a large amount of data that they sift through. And according to this study that was published just two days ago, they've actually got the employment, the number of people employed between the ages of 18 and 64. They're saying that's only 60%. That's 93 million out of 153 million Americans. That's the number that are actually employed right now. 
which is really a really low number. It's a lot of people who are not working that could be, that probably should be. And in addition to that, it was a very thorough study. They also looked into how many hours people are working, how much money people used to make versus how much money they are making. Most of those people saw a decrease in their pay. Some of those people saw their pay cut by as much as 50%. So a very thorough study, and it has a lot of eye-opening details to help us to see, well, just how much of an impact the economic shutdown or the shutdown of the, the whole nation, how much of an impact that's had on us, not just economically speaking, but individually speaking, and what is likely to occur as a result. And they're monitoring this data in real time. They're planning to publish it again, an updated version of this same study again next week. So very good job by these guys. And uh, if you can check it out, I recommend that you do. So also in the same... Uh, topic here, getting back to work. President Trump got on TV yesterday, the daily press briefing, and said, hey, he's ready to open up the parts of the country. Hashtag Open America Now, trending on the internet yesterday, and he's got his task force announcing, we're going to open it up in phases. Very good idea. And I was looking at the phases here. Uh, looks like phase one really isn't very different from what we're doing right now, but they've got the uh, gate, as they call it. You have to gate first. And I think it's this actually really good political genius what they've set up here. It provides political cover for governors, whether you're on his side or whether you're not on his side. Regardless of whether you're a Republican or Democrat, he's given you cover for whether or not you want to reopen is what he's done. So because they've got your requirement for a downward trend, but at the same time, they're opening up all new kinds of testing. First of all, we're doubling lab testing, but then we're also providing new testing available on the ground level. So testing is going through the roof. And you can use this testing, it looks to me like you could use it either which way you wanted to. So you're going to get tests and you can say, oh, well, look at all these new tests. And based on these new tests, we've got way too many new positive uh, results coming in, way too many new cases. We can't possibly reopen. If you don't want to reopen, then you use that as the reason why you don't. Or you ramp up your tests and say, hey, look, all the negatives coming in, our trend, uh, the, the, the number of positives to negatives, are we definitely got a great trend going here. And you only need a trend for 14 days before you can say we've gated, we're opening up, and uh, you start with phase one. So phase one is not different from right, right now. The groups are still 10, 10 or less. Not a whole lot is opening. The significant part about phase one is because the medical community has been suffering with the requirement COVID and emergencies only, and a lot of people who've been laid off have actually been in the medical community. So allowing the medical community to start doing other types, that's very important for them. Uh, another 14 days downward trend lets you get into phase two, at which point, okay, now we're opening up things like restaurants and other uh, we're opening up schools again and any place that you can still maintain the social distancing because they still want to allow all the recommendations from the last month. They still want to keep these things in place. So if you can still do that and then we'll open up to larger groups of 50 or so, then phase two looks like that. And then another 14 days of a downward trend, which again, as I mentioned, I think you can use the testing however you want to make sure you meet the requirements. Then you can move into phase three, which they're calling the new normal because they want basically everybody to, to go along with the hygiene requirements that they've stated since the beginning. And uh, then that'll be phase three. We basically kind of reopen everything to what we would expect to see in a normal American economy. But uh, 
each governor can do it on their own schedule. And of course, there are some places that probably shouldn't be trying to do any of this in any hurry, especially if you've got places where they are addressing several serious patients, then sure, you, you want to do it that way. But uh, it's a good step to give people in the opportunity to uh, governors who say, yes, we want to get back to work. Then this is exactly what they needed to be able to do that without much scrutiny from people on the opposite side say, I've got the cover that I need that I can do it. And the president has provided that. And I think it was brilliant. And so, yes, let's get back to work because if no other reason, I think work is essential. And I want to get back to for us Christian conservatives, we're getting back to basics right here because work has been a part of the human experience since the beginning. And I mean the very beginning. When God created the heavens and the earth, he created a garden, he put man in the garden, and he gave man an assignment to work. And even after the fall, we still had work. It just got harder. The need for work was greater, but work was still there. Pre-fall, after fall, before sin, after sin, work has been a constant in the human experience, and it is a part of the essential human experience, regardless of whether or not you're trying to make more money, make less money, whether it's good for the economy, bad for the economy. Work is good for humans. And humans need work. And one of the biggest lessons that we can take away from this whole COVID-19 experience is idle hands really are the devil's playground. And we know that because of all the studies we've seen popping up on the internet about how people are using their time when they're sitting at home right now with nothing else to do. What are they using their hands for? They're not doing a lot of God-honoring activity, and a lot of the people who aren't interested in honoring God with their time are actually trying to restrict people's opportunities to use their time for God-honoring activity. So it's true. We need to get ourselves back to a point where we can get back to the original, essential human uh, you know, the thing that glorifies the Lord just by being a normal human, doing normal human things, getting back to work. That was the first thing that God gave us, the first thing he told us to do. It is essential. There's no such thing as a non-essential human working. And uh, that's just my personal interpretation of it. And I would like to uh, share that with you and get your, your feedback on that. And I want to thank you for sticking around. If you're still watching the end of this video, I really appreciate it. And if you would, please share this with your friends, share it with your family, and come back out and check us out on our next video. I'm Dave. This is Right All Week, where we talk about what's right, how it's right, and why it matters. <laughs>